It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for part one of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. And Chris... As I understand it, you are on a mission today, a mission to add a brand new type of pizza to the very big deal pizza lineup. Yes, this is correct. I, you know, I have expanded. I started out with just a simple pepperoni pizza. I did a uh, chicken bacon ranch pizza. I did some sausage with my pepperoni later. Um, And now I have officially added buffalo chicken pizza to my menu. I officially added it last week and it turned out excellent, except... I learned I went a little heavy with the Frank's Red Hot Sauce. Uh, I, I Instead of just dipping the chicken in it and putting it, I actually smothered it all over the place. And, you know, when you eat something that's really spicy and, like, your allergies are going nuts for the rest of the uh, – for a couple hours, that was me. So I got to scale back on the Frank's Red Hot Sauce this time. But I, I have a feeling that this time I'm going to get it right and it's going to be absolute perfection and yes, the, the menu here at Very Big Deal Pizza is expanding. And I, this is going to be as good as the, the most Buffalo chicken pizzas I, I've ever had. And way better than a lot that I have had. Scale back on the Frank's Red Hot Sauce and scale up on the Poland Spring Water. Because that's what you're going to need to clear out your system after you ingest a little too much of that stuff. And your tongue gets all red hot and... Then all of a sudden, you don't know what to do with yourself, like you said, with the allergies for the next couple of hours. But I'm glad to see a new addition to the Very Big Deal Pizza lineup. Perhaps that'll be one of the three joints that I recommend to John Grella, our man over at playlikeajet.com, also former communications director for the Buccaneers, who starts the mailbag by asking, what are your top three favorite pizza joints? In other words, where are you taking me when I come in to visit this fall? <laughs> I did promise John that I'd take him out for pizza. So here are three right off the top of my head that I love. As far as where I'm taking John, that'll remain a mystery, mostly because I have no idea how the schedule is going to work out or where we're going to be able to go. But number one, my all-time favorite is Ramos out in Plainview on Long Island. Just incredible. This is how you know it's great. They don't even deliver. When a pizza place doesn't even deliver, you know it's top-notch. So that's always been my personal favorite. Danny's in Kew Gardens, I've talked about this a lot. They've been around for something like 60 years. The pesto slices are what their calling card is, but their cheese and pepperoni slices are outstanding too. Do not order a pie because it will take like eight years. Order slices only. It's the reverse of these old-school places where you have to order pies. 
at Danny's Do Not Order a Pie. Good news, by the way, if you get the late night hunger pains, head over to Danny's because I think they're open till like three in the morning. And then the third one I will say, because their Sicilian pizza is outrageous and I love Sicilian, is Spumoni Gardens in Brooklyn. They have the best Sicilian slices you will ever have. So those are three just off the top of my head that I would recommend. Whether or not I'll be able to take John to one of them, we'll see how the schedule matches up. But I'll definitely be taking him for some good pizza. Yeah, the the my the ones at the top of my list won't, won't be where he's going because they're all closer to me. Um, <laughs> I know the the ones I know in like the city and around, uh, you know, and even Hoboken and Jersey City. I don't really, I don't know that it's like street names to me. I don't know street names of places. I just know how to get there. Um, I know how to get to the pizza places in, in the city that I really like, but I don't even know what they're called. So I go back. I, I, I know I've gotten some flat for this, but to Dante's and Mendham and Pizza Palace in Randolph. Um, and, uh, I pronounce the name Gibaldi's in Hoboken. It's a different type of pizza, thin crust. Real, uh, that's delicious. Um, but yeah, right. I, my focus right now is all on the very big deal pizza. Uh, <laughs> cooking, I'm not the best with. My ADHD doesn't let me cook very well because all it takes is like getting distracted for 30 seconds to mess something up completely. And I get distracted for way more than 30 seconds very easily. <laughs> so cook, cooking, I have issues with, except for very simple, basic stuff like eggs. Um, but any type of baking I've learned, I can do this and I have fun doing it with the pizza, trying different things out. So I'm really focusing all my pizza energy on very big deal pizza right now. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He says, what do you guys think about adding Morgan Moses? Could George Fant slide to guard? Also, is it possible that Fant could be a long-term answer Maybe he's somebody that could be here beyond just this year. Food question, what's your go-to fast food joint in a pinch for a quick bite? So I had actually mentioned the Morgan Moses possibility. He just got released by Washington. He was still one of the better tackles in the league last year. He's 30 years old, and maybe they could bring him in on a one- or a two-year deal. The question is really about Fant. Do they think they can move him inside to guard? And I'll be honest, I haven't studied Fant in depth enough to really accurately analyze how I think he would fit at guard in this particular scheme. That'd be up to the coaches. But if the coaches feel like Fant could play guard, then I think that looking at Moses would be a really good idea because Fant would give you an upgrade over Van Roten instantly. I don't see how he couldn't, regardless of how he plays at guard. It'd be almost impossible to be worse than what Van Roten gave you last year. And then you upgrade at tackle with Moses. If you have Fant, Vera Tucker, Moses, Becton, and McGovern, that's at least a decent line. It's something you can work with. So if they feel like they can do that, cool. As far as Fant beyond this year, we'll see. We'll see what he does this year. Last year, he was up and down. He was okay. He was nothing special. He was better than most of us expected. But whether or not he's a long-term solution, we'll see what he does in this scheme this year. And as far as the go-to fast food joint, 
Usually for me when I'm on the road, it's Chick-fil-A because I can get something cheap, I can get something quick, and I can get something healthy. They have some good salad options. They even have a grilled cool chicken wrap, which is healthy and tasty. So usually when I'm on the road, Chick-fil-A because it's practical and it fits all the criteria of what I'm looking for when I need a quick bite. Okay, so let's start with uh, the FAMP part of this. Uh, they uh, they absolutely expect FAMP to be better in this system than he was last year. And uh, Joe Douglas signed him thinking that he would be better than he was in Seattle. And he was, uh, uh, on, on whole, he was better than he was in Seattle last year. They expect him to be even better this year in the new system. But as far as long-term and going forward – that's what this season is about. This season is essentially going to be a tryout for him to get a, to earn a long-term deal here. If he can improve and take a, a big step in this system, then yes, I fully expect them to try to bring him back and go on there for. Um, similar to uh, what you were saying about not having studied fan, uh, to see if he could move inside, during the draft, I was I was thinking about that this, and I was you know if they had gone with like a Tevin Jenkins or gone somewhere else, then I would have looked into uh, trying to assess it more myself. They didn't, so I didn't go into do it. Um, but it's it is hard to imagine that he wouldn't be an upgrade over Greg Van Roten there. So uh, I have I would have absolutely no problem with it. I'm certainly not going to say I I don't recommend signing Morgan Moses. I also it wouldn't be opposed. I've been talking about this. If if you just have an, an extra year of George Fant uh, where he's a swing tackle, then I'd be good with that too. They have plenty of cap space. You can never have too many offensive linemen. So I'm all for doing it. I just – I don't know if it's going to be something that I'd expect to happen though. Um, I, I My guess is it's probably not going to happen. Um I'm not saying that they won't be interested. They won't try, but my guess is he would end up somewhere else, but it's absolutely something I'd be willing to consider. Now, if, you know, they say that it wouldn't work for whatever reason, then all right, we're just going to have to roll with them on that. But my guess is that somebody else is probably going to be willing to pay him more money. And then as for the fast food thing, Chick-fil-A is the right answer as far as uh, <clears throat> the quality of it. The only issue is is Chick-fil-A is not fast. Um, <laughs> the, it, it, I have a Chick-fil-A about 10, 15 minutes from my house. I don't go to it that often, but every time I drive past it, there's like a mile-long line of cars. There, There's nothing fast about Chick-fil-A. So, And I really only eat fast food if it's like I'm starving and I just don't have time for something else. Um if I had the time, Chick-fil-A would, would be the answer there for sure. Uh, but if I don't have the time to wait in that Chick-fil-A line, then I'm probably just going to Wendy's and getting something really quick just to throw it down my gullet. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. He says, gentlemen, full disclosure, I really wanted the Jets to draft Justin Fields. 
I want to go all in on Zach Wilson, but there's one thing holding me back. I just can't get past his baby face. He looks like the kid from Silver Spoons. I'm sure I can't be alone in this concern, but more importantly, I like the draft. I've yet to hear a good explanation, though, for why they didn't pick any offensive linemen with one of those last six picks. It just seems irresponsible to not take a flyer, especially with somebody like Trey Smith on the board. Any good rationale? So let's start with the Zach Wilson part of this. I wouldn't exactly call the concern that he has a baby face. I get what you're saying, and it is funny to talk about, but at the same time, at a certain point, we got to get past that joke. I really don't care if he has a baby face or if he looks like Johnny Lawrence from The Karate Kid or, as you said, the kid from Silver Spoons. None of that matters, and we shouldn't be focusing on somebody's looks when we're talking about football. It's fun to joke around, but in all seriousness, it has nothing to do with how good or bad he's going to play on the field. As far as the offensive lineman, I was pretty surprised too. The only thing I can figure is that they probably just didn't really like that second group of offensive linemen that went late in the draft. Chris, you talked about this, that from asking around, it didn't feel like the Jets thought that there were a lot of offensive linemen late in the class that would fit what they wanted to do all that well, including Trey Smith. And so that's probably a big part of the reason why they got so aggressive to go get Elijah Vera Tucker, because they wanted to make sure that they got somebody that they felt could be a real difference maker in their system. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's absolutely what happened. Um, I I was trying to warn people because uh, again, this class there was a lot of talent on the outside at the tackle position, not so much inside, and then a lot of the good inside guys weren't scheme fits. Um, so th- they just weren't going to take those guys, and that's uh, what led to the urgency to go up, and we have to get Elijah Vera Tucker. That definitely contributed to it. With Trey Smith specifically, uh, I know he had the, the blood clot issues in his lungs uh, a couple times, and that's, that's why he fell w- like he did. So that's not just a Jets thing that the entire league uh, looked at that as an issue. Um, I, I don't know if they would have considered – I didn't look into it if they would have considered a math if that wasn't an, an issue, but I know that was an issue for a, all the teams. That's why he fell. But, um, yeah, they went and they got Elijah Vera Tucker, and they just didn't like a lot of the other guards. They didn't feel great about them. And the ones that they thought had good enough grades, uh, you know, to be drafted in the fourth round or whatever, weren't a scheme fit. So they weren't going to go that way. Um, this isn't uh, them, Joe Douglas saying, okay, we're, we're good with Greg Van Roten. We're just going to run with it at, at that, with him there. We're going to be perfectly fine. It was, they didn't find anything that matched with the value to make that pick. It's that simple. There weren't a lot of options after you got out of that first round and definitely later. Um, they just didn't have a lot. And then also this, you have to factor in, uh, the way the last season went. And this year, I know there was reported from a bunch of different places how teams had this, their smallest boards ever. Like, teams only had, like, 150 players on their boards. Like, um, so that there was just less options is really what it came down to. And uh, with so many other holes around the roster that still needed to be filled – Joe Douglas decided to throw those darts at other positions because he knew what he was had available to him in the offensive line 
wasn't wasn't enticing to him. So he just didn't bother doing it. Next question comes in from Jets fans since 1988. He says, is the depth of the 2022 cornerback class playing a hand in the lack of addressing the outside this year as of now? I know things will look different after June 1st cuts. Or do Jets brass really want to roll with Hall and Austin because Salah's scheme doesn't put as much emphasis on cornerback play? I don't think the 2022 class has anything to do with this. Nobody thinks that far ahead for a cornerback. But as far as what they're doing right now, I don't think that they're content with Hall and Austin. I think that you are going to see some stuff after June 1st. I know that they're interested in Steven Nelson. I know there's been talks. The major hurdle there is that Steven Nelson wants a long-term contract and he wants top cornerback money. So he's looking for 8 to $10 million bucks a year. Right now, the Jets don't seem to be interested in anything beyond a one-year deal, probably for a little less money. So there's a bit of a stalemate there. Richard Sherman, I don't think, is coming here, but he hasn't signed anywhere else, so maybe the Jets lay back and see what happens with that. I would say the odds of him coming here are very low, but if he doesn't get offers anywhere else, then maybe he thinks about it just because he has a good relationship with Salah. There will be other cornerbacks who are available, plus they did draft a bunch of defensive backs in the late rounds, so maybe they're thinking that one of those guys could contribute. I don't think it has anything to do with 2022. I do think that after June 1st, things will look a little bit different. And I would be surprised if Bless Austin ends up being the second outside corner opposite Bryce Hall. I just don't think that anybody could watch Bless Austin's tape and think that you could get through a year with him as your starting cornerback. Definitely not. Has, it has nothing to do with next year's class. Your teams only do that with quarterbacks. And it, Maybe if you wanted to stretch, you could find a team that might do that with an edge, like a pass rusher. But uh, that you know, they, they might be thinking of shoehorning a guy in the first round. But even that seems unlikely. Um, and even with quarterbacks, that if if a team likes a guy uh, this year, they're going to take that guy. They're not going to say, "Well, next year's class looks so much better." Um, this is just like I was saying with the the offensive line. The, the, the reason is simple. The Jets had holes everywhere, and the value that uh, for these picks uh, matching was at other positions. They went with other positions instead of quarterback. It, that's it. It's it's just because where they picked at each pick spot, obviously it went Zach Wilson there. They traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker and then uh, Elijah Moore, and then when they took Michael Carter, those guys – were match better value were rated higher than the cornerbacks that were available on the roster at the time uh, on the board at the time. And it's that simple as to why it was, if they had um, a cornerback graded much higher than any of those players, they would have taken a cornerback. Um, then it's not also, they're not sitting here saying, just like I said, with Greg Van Roten, Joe Douglas is not like, Yep, we're good with Greg Van Voten. He's also not sitting there pounding the table saying, "Bless Austin is." We don't need to worry about corners because we got Bless Austin. That's not what's happening. It's just there were so many other holes that needed to be filled too. That there was always going to be a couple of holes left unfilled, and whatever holes that were, you could have produced the same questions about it. Uh, again, it's just about where the value lined up on their board. That's where they went. Um, I, I fully expect them to go ahead and try to add somebody afterwards. <clears throat> but again, I this is 
it's not technically year one of Joe Douglas's rebuild because he had the the year before, but this for all intents and purposes, this is year one of the rebuild. And if there's a couple of positions that are going to be lacking this season, then so be it. It's it's about building everything up from here and keeping flexibility going forward. So if they have to, if worse comes to worse, and they can't sign a Steven Nelson and they have to roll with that they have, then that they're going to have to deal with it for this year. But then come next year, you can look and expect that Robert Sala and Joe Douglas are going to try to up, seriously upgrade that cornerback position. They're not saying, oh, we're good with Bless Austin because we're going to put so much pressure on guys. It's just, all right, we're going to have to be good with Bless Austin right now because we just weren't able to upgrade at every single position. That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. Make sure that you're following Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider and reading his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. And check out everything we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com. Luke Grant's got an over-under betting guide if you want to get in on the action early and start betting on some of these teams over-under win totals for the 2021 season. And speaking of Luke, he's doing some great work on our YouTube channel right now. Film breakdowns of Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson against Utah. They were the number 11 ranked defense in 2019. So he's got a whole all 22 film review of that particular game. He's got one of Michael Carter as well and so much more. Plus Kayla Pace's commentaries, Pace's playbook. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.